I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, grab this folks, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, we want to thank you for these timeless words. We want to thank you, Father, that Jesus, your Son, our Saviour and Lord, spoke these words all those years ago on a mountainside in the Middle East. And yet today, here we are, sitting under your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would apply these truths to every heart and soul in this building this morning and those who may listen after it. Thank you for your powerful, sharp word. The living word that separates joint and marrow that speaks into the chasms and the dark places of our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, turn on the light 
in the heart this morning. The people, wonderful people in this place, will see your glory. I ask that, Lord, in the name of the wonderful Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. So folks, last week, I'll just do a very quick, quick recap in case you weren't here. Um, just bear with us, those who were here. We looked at this whole issue of anxiety. And we talked about how in this culture, in this day and age, anxiety is an epidemic. We've had a pandemic, haven't we, recently? This is a pandemic. Because it doesn't matter what nation you live in, anxiety affects everyone. Something I have to watch. I have to guard my heart. I have to guard my mind. And we looked last week about this report that was in the newspaper back in 2020 and how it said, even amongst young people, aged between 18 to 24, that's quite young. I wish I was 18 to 24 again, do you? But 30% a third of that generation are struggling with mental illness. Think about that. That's huge. You know, anxiety literally is everywhere. And it's good that people are getting help today. And I'm not here today to say, don't go and see a doctor if you anxious and you might need some help, go and do it. God's provided these things. But I want to tell you that this timeless word of Jesus has something to say right into your situation today. He wants to bring peace. He wants to bring peace into lives. Whether you're a Christian and if you're not a Christian you need to know First of all, you need, to, you need to experience the peace with God. We sung this morning, bear with us folks if you're new, about a saviour, a cross. We have this wooden thing. What is, it, what is it all about? It's about the fact that Jesus came 2,000 years ago to die on a simple wooden cross for you and me. I'm not religious. I don't want to be religious. I'm not trying to make me... This is not a self-help club. <coughs> it's not a DIY, make yourself better with some life coaching. I don't do that. I believe in encouraging people. But we're here to glorify Jesus. And we're here to be the church that he's called us to be. We're not just a religious club. We're not a social club. We're a group of misfits who love the Lord. We really are. You probably get offended if you stay around because someone will wind you up or whatever. And it's all about allowing the Lord to knock the edges off our lives. I've got tons of edges. And I'm, I have the privilege of standing here every week and leading. But God's working on me. Changing me. But this today, are you anxious? 
You worried? We looked last week again about Jesus said many things in the early part of this preach. If you just cast your eyes down um, and the start of um, chapter 6, you can't do that on the phone unfortunately, but if you have a page you can see it. But he talked about lots of things and he taught in this preach the famous Lord's Prayer. Everyone knows the Lord's Prayer. If you've been around for long enough, you're our father, yeah, you know it. It wasn't really the Lord's Prayer, it was the disciples' prayer. Because they asked him, how would you pray? So he taught them. But then he goes down and he starts to say things like, but when you pray, go into the secret place. You see, religious people like to, uh, they like to dress right. You may think, well, what the, what? he preaches in jeans. I thought you had to wear some kind of... No. It's not about the externals, the clothes you wear. The things you say in a public place. Whether you're a big giver, are you all watching, look? <laughs> See that? No. It's the secret life. It's the secret life. Because Jesus says in there, don't store up treasure on earth. Now, you could, we could talk about the externals of that all morning, couldn't we? Is your life based on your bank account? On your pension? On your home? Those things are temporal. Things we talk about here are eternal. Don't store up. But you know, even religious people can try and they get a reward in this. If you're externally religious and it's all about making a show, you'll get a reward, but it'll be here. Oh, and he's great. Oh, wow. That was great, that. And you... Do you know why? No, I've done it. People... Pride is my worst enemy. <coughs> I struggle with pride. And I like, I love encouragement, but humility, that's what I want to grow in. See, it's not about the externals. You get a reward, but it's in this age. The treasure of giving. When you really do it for God, you get a treasure in heaven. Because no one will see it here. The treasure of praying. Are you a good prayer? Do you go at home? Do you get in your clothes? Jesus said, when you pray, don't shut the door. Go and be quiet. Sees every, hears every word from the heart. You might not get the answer just now, but there's a treasure in praying. Treasure of forgive. We talked about the treasure of forgiveness. Oh, that's a huge one in our society. Forgiving people. We talked about how in Matthew 19 it talks about the story of the guy who owed a lot of money. And he couldn't pay. And Jesus told a story about the person he owed the money to let him off. But then he went out and saw someone who owed him a very small amount of money. And he said, give us that money now. Or I'll have you thrown in prison. What Jesus was saying was, if you realize the debt of your sin, and the depth of your sin, and what you've been forgiven of, forgiving someone who offends you isn't really a big deal. 
you see our pride again. And I'm talking to Christians. Anyway, we talked about fool's gold. <coughs> Are you building up fool's gold here? See, fool's gold looks like the real thing. And I'm not against, you know, nice, you get blessed in this life. If God's blessed you, enjoy it in the right sense. But do you know what he said? He said, are you building up for yourselves? Has the thing got you? Or have you got the thing? We talked about the eye. Just look down in your, in your scripture. In verse 22, Jesus said, the eye. And we talked a lot last week about what you see. How what you see can affect you. We talked about the Psalms. And those words in the Psalms that say, in Psalm 101, for instance, I will set no base or wicked thing before my eyes. Wow, is that you? Psalm 119, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And we talked about John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress in the mid-1600s in Bedford Jail where he was put for preaching the gospel. And he wrote, not only the Pilgrim's Progress, but he wrote a book called The Holy War. And he talked about the city of Mansoul. Forgive me, ladies, we said. But the human being, the human soul. And he talked about Eyegate. And he said how the heart is so influenced by the eye. What you see? That was last week. And we looked, we found a really funny thing actually. We found, we looked at Revelation 3. Do you know, everyone, if you've been a Christian a while, do you know that wonderful verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock? Has anyone been in a meeting where that's been preached? And now, now come on, God's knocking at the door of your heart. And I love that, that's okay. And people become Christians on the back of it. But really speaking, that verse wasn't written to the unsaved that's a non-Christian it was written to a church in Revelation 3 the church of a place called Laodicea funny name isn't it but it was a church that thought it was doing alright so we're doing well we're prospering we're okay isn't God great we've got great projects but Jesus wrote a letter to these churches and in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John basically saw this and heard from heaven. And this letter, Jesus said, do you know what? You might have all the externals, church, this particular place, but you've become lukewarm. You ever had lukewarm tea? <sighs> Horrible. It's neither hot nor cold, isn't it? And Jesus, in that letter, said, I don't want you to be lukewarm. Be hot or cold. Spew out my mouth, you lukewarm. Strong words for the church. But then he said, and we looked at this, Behold, I stand at the door of, of the church, and I knock. Are you going to be self-sufficient? Are you going to let me in? See, when 
when Jesus comes to change the church, he sometimes messes things up for us. And it's not always how you expect. Right, I think that was last week. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Look down in Matthew 6 and verse 24. Strong stuff, all connected to anxiety. And it says here, No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Or in the old, in the old version, you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon, what the heck is that? Well, mammon is a spirit, really. Now, let's get on to money. Whoa, money? <gasps> See, you'll notice something. I don't preach about money very often. Because I spent 30 years in the police. And all my mates say, oh, Kenty, the churches just want your money. Now, we need money. Everyone needs money. Money in itself is not evil. What? I thought that's what it says. The root, money is the root of all evil. Does it say that? What does it say? The love. The love of money. See, Jesus isn't saying, don't be wise in money. The Bible's full of advice how to invest. But the trouble is, Money is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. We need money to run this building. We need money to do things, don't we? We all need money. And God provides. He said, I'll provide for you. Don't worry. I'll look after you. And I have to learn that. I get nervous sometimes. Do you get nervous when you watch the news? But do we believe that or do we believe this? But it's a terrible master. If he gets hold of you, screw your life up. Bob Dylan, the great Bob Dylan in the 80s. Became, you know, he, com he made, committed his life to the Lord. And any Bob Dylan fans in here? I won't do an impression. But he, he did a couple of gospel albums. First one, Slow Train Coming. Track one. Track one, cracking album, Rob. You've got to serve somebody. You've got to serve somebody. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. So who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? Money will try and grab you. Always. It'll try and grab you. It'll try and tempt you into all sorts of things. I want to tell you another quick story. Matthew, again, 19. Let me read it to you. Behold, a man came to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, it's a funny conversation this, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter, 
if you would enter life, keep the commandments. You see, really, the guy asked the wrong question. Did you notice that? He's, he's rich. He said, what must I do? What do I have to do to get eternal life? So Jesus said, if you want to play that game, are you keeping the commandments? And he said to them, he said to Jesus, this guy says, which ones? See, he's religious. So Jesus is almost like playing a game here. Because remember the Ten Commandments? Exodus 20, if you want to have a look this afternoon. Famous Ten Commandments. Jesus says, which, you know, he says, which ones? Jesus starts at number six. Why did he start at number six? So Jesus said to him, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honour your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. The young man said to Jesus, all these I've kept. Flipping heck. What do I still lack? So Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples heard this, they said, they were astonished, they said, Who can be saved then? But Jesus said, he looked at them. Now, remember his first question? What must I do? Jesus said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. What a story. You see, why did Jesus start at number six? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't lie. Because all those things are external things. The things that we do socio sociologically, you know. He left out the big ones. What's the first one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your mind. Second one, don't make any images or any, don't worship anything else. What was that guy's problem? He worshipped money. He was a good guy. Morally. Impeccable. See, a lot of the Jews were very, very, very moral. 
of what's on the inside. Where's the heart? See, you've got to serve someone. You can't serve both. You can't serve wholeheartedly money and God. One of them has to be on the throne. You know, we looked a few verses, and we said this last week. It's a very important point. I want to re-emphasize this week. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And when I first saw that years ago, I thought, I thought it was the other way around. Where your heart is, your treasure is. No. Your heart follows your treasure. I've heard some people say to me over many decades, follow your heart, Kenty. If it feels good, do it. Beware. Beware. You're treasuring the kingdom of God above all things? Because your heart will chase after it then. And you'll have a heart for God. Even amidst the troubles and the trials. See, one of the biggest causes of anxiety is worry about money. Worry about my health. Worry about my life, my family. When it comes to things, the more you have, the more you worry. The new car, we said it last week. And the kids spill McDonald's milkshake on the back seat. You've had it four days, what do you like? Understandably a bit ticked off, I get it. But do you know what? It's a piece of mail. The new house, I better put CCTV everywhere. I don't want any little scallies getting in. See, I was a cop for 30 years, chasing scallies all over Liverpool. But they were here. Did you hear what Jesus said? Don't build a bit here where thieves can break in and steal. I nearly said to Len about my friends in Liverpool, but I better not. I'm from Liverpool, by the way. Uh. <laughs> I was reading yesterday about, um, in Genesis, in my readings, just about the whole Abraham story and all that. And at the end, there's a, the, all the Bible names are dead funny. There's one called Macca. At the end of the chapter, I thought, Scousers, they get everywhere. <laughs> wherever you go, there's a Scouser. <laughs> Have you ever noticed, wherever you go in the world, you always meet a Scouser. And they're in the Old Testament. Macca. <laughs> Brilliant. But don't be anxious about your life. Um, Jesus said, you know, your life. What is your life? What is it? What is the word about life? There's three words in the Bible for life. And this life he's talking about is a funny, funny word. Think about life, there's three words. What they are is bios, which is where we get biological. That's your physical life. The suke in Greek, which is your soul. The inward bits. The bit that when you switch the light off at night, it's still working. Your mind. 
suke, Greek. Bios, physical, and the eternal life that Jesus gives. Zoe. The full life of God. You see, you can be terminally ill in a hospital bed with hours to live. And somebody, if that person doesn't know the Lord, somebody can come along and bring the gospel and they come alive. Their bios, their body may be on the way out, but they'll never be more alive when the Zoe life of God comes into you. Do you know what Jesus said in John 10? The devil has come to kill, steal, and destroy. See, live this world. Anxiety, worry, losing everything. He loves all that. Jesus said, I've come. That you may have life in all its fullness. He wasn't saying, I'm going to give you a biology life or psychological life. I'm going to give you a life, Zoe, that's your spirit coming alive. And when that comes alive, every other part's affected. It'll affect your body and your mind. The Zoe life of God. Therefore, don't be worried, Jesus says, about your suke, your mind and all the things that are turmoil. Is not life, Zoe, more important than your appetite? Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Cass and I, the other week, we've really been thinking, Cass particularly been thinking about Proverbs 3. Five to seven. You know, faith, it's not this kind of, have you got faith? It's not like that. Faith is trust. It's a quiet confidence. And Proverbs 3, five to seven says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not, 98% 98% of your heart. All your heart. And lean not. You know it. Lean not in your own understanding. In all. In all. Your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will make. Your path straight. That's a cure for anxiety. Not 98%. Not nearly all my ways. All your ways. Acknowledge him. He'll make you pass straight. I mean, we're talking about the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. I don't want to do another third week on this. <laughs> I do really. I could speak for hours on it. But seek first. Is the kingdom, is that, 
that, that acknowledging in all your ways, that's the kingdom first. Is it first? I have to ask myself these questions every day. Let me read you some verses from Philippians. If you're a Christian, you'll have heard these before. But I want to put them in the context of this preach. Philippians 4, let me just read it to you. Verse 2. Some good names here, folks. They're not Scouse ones. But Paul says to this church in Philippi, I entreat Eodia and I entreat Syntyche. Any Syntyches in the room? To agree in the Lord. Oh, was a disagreement in the church? No. No one disagrees in church, do they? I entreat you to agree in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Oh, yes. And here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's the guy who knew what it was to go through trouble. The church he's writing to, he ended up in the darkest dungeon with probably excrement and rats running all around him after a severe beating. Anyone want to sign up? He's in the jail, in that place. And everyone's rolling. It wasn't like Walton where there was like two to a cell. This would have been a small room with numerous people. Imagine the smell. And Paul and Silas bleeding. And they start to sing. God is good. All the time. He directs my paths. I can trust him in the storm. And someone's saying, who are these two? I've just got done for shoplifting in home bargains in Philippi. And these two nutters have come in now. I wish they'd shut up. And they praise. And they glorify God. And there's an earthquake. You know the story. Read it. Acts 16. The start of the church in Philippi. And he's writing to that same church here some years later. Rejoice in the Lord. He knows what that's about, remember. Let your reasonableness. Oh, what does that mean? That means your gentleness. I'm not very gentle. I know it's hard to believe. That's my wife. I struggle with that sometimes. Being gentle. I can be very harsh and lose me rag. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be... Oh, here we go again. Look down, if you've got your Bible. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But Paul, you don't understand we live in the 21st century. My identity has been stolen. I've lost all my bank money. What do you mean, don't be anxious, Paul? Don't be anxious about anything. But in, every, in everything... Earn everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Oh, oh, oh. Remember that, that jail? Thank you, Lord. 
we're in Job, but we know you. If we die now, we're going to be in heaven. They're mad, these people. How can you live life like that? Thankfulness. Are you thankful? Let your requests be known to God. And let, well, if you like that, listen, look, look verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Oh, I can't work it out. It's not about trying to mind over matter. I'm just getting to that place of consciousness. My mind is working it all out now. Positive thinking. Yes. I'm going to be positive. It's not that. Your mind can't work it out. Will the peace of God, will God, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus? Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Now, this is about your thinking. What are you like? I struggle in the night sometimes because I don't sleep very well, folks. And I wake up. And then my mind starts going. Anyone else? And you start thinking and you're... I don't know how it's going to work out. What am I going to do? Maybe if I do that. Anyone else? Finally, brothers. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, Jonathan, me, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, this great apostle, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. You see, they knew this guy was the real deal. Because they'd seen him with the scars on his back after he'd been beaten for preaching the gospel to them. And he said, what you've seen in me, live like that. And the God of peace will be with you. Finally, folks, you don't need to turn to this. I'm going to just tell you a great verse. A great couple of verses, actually. Isaiah 26, verse 3. A little verse, a little promise for someone who might have an issue in the mind today. One little verse for you. Promise. You ready for it? An arrow of truth. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed Upon him. He will keep. The Hebrew word for that. Means he'll watch over you. He'll watch over you. Someone is watching over you. He'll watch over you. Don't 
worry. That's the Hebrew thought in it. He will keep in perfect peace. That's shalom. You've heard that word shalom. True fullness of peace. Whose mind, the mind, it talks about, in the Hebrew, it talks about what's framed in your life. You look at a frame, it's within, what is your, your mind's like a frame. What's in your frame? What are you thinking? He wants to bring peace into your mind. And it talks there about whose mind is stayed. That means rest in your mind. Have a chill in God. I encourage you in that. Finally, 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 finally. Trust Him. Put His kingdom first. But it's not just His kingdom, His righteousness. Very easy when you've been a Christian for a while to become self. I, I, I've been the king of self righteousness. <coughs> Look at them. Not like me. I'm, I've been a Christian for a while now. Who's that just walked in? Oof. Come into our, our building. Anyone else ever been like that? We like the people we like, don't we? And the people we don't like, we tend to we can get a bit self-righteous about them. They're not like me, you see. Here's righteousness. Someone said this morning, righteousness we get. We don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You've got to believe and wear it. That robe. What? I get righteousness. C.H. Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher of yesteryear, would bring a verse to you this morning. Though dead, he speaks because he's commenting on God and his word. And Spurgeon says on a famous verse in the New Testament, Come, Unto me, said Jesus, all that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Spurgeon says this, We who are saved, that means you've become a Christian, find rest in Jesus. Those who are not saved will receive rest if they come to him. For here, in this verse, he promises to give it. Nothing can be freer than a gift. Let us, let us gladly accept what he gladly gives. You are not to buy it. You're not to borrow it. But to receive it as a gift. You labour under the lash of ambition covetousness that means wanting other people's stuff lust or anxiety he will set you free from this iron bondage and give you rest 
You are laden. Yes, heavy laden with sin, fear, care, remorse, fear of death. But if you come to him, he will unload you. He carried, Jesus carried the crushing mass of our sin that we might no longer carry it. He made himself that great burden bearer that every heavy laden one might cease from bowing down under that enormous pressure. Jesus gives rest. It is so. Will you believe it? Will you put it to the test? Will you do so at once? Come to Jesus by quitting every other hope, by thinking of him, believing God's testimony about him, and trusting everything with him. If you thus come to him, the rest which he will give you will be deep, safe, holy, and everlasting. He gives a rest which develops into heaven. And he gives it this day to all who would come to him. Do you know that? Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for that timeless invitation to any, be they a weary saint this morning, any weary saint can come this morning and break off the chains of unreal expectation. Heaviness. Sin. Whatever it may be. That we can come this morning and we can let those burdens off us. Because you promised to take them from us. I pray first for any saint who's in that place this morning. Lift anxiety this morning, Lord. Lift countless care. In the quietness, Holy Spirit. Just do that now. And Father, if any be in this place today who don't know the Saviour, I pray in the quietness, Holy Spirit, do your work. Bring life on the inside. Let people realize 
The burden of sin is intolerable. But they don't have to carry it anymore. Because Jesus has taken it. Holy Spirit, move in hearts this morning. Any who would be wanting a new life, let them find you today. We ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.